Hey Logo Geeks, it's Ian Paget here. I'm back with another podcast that's created to help you make a living designing logos. It's been a good few weeks since rolling out a podcast, so if you do usually like to listen to the show weekly, I'm so sorry for the long delay. I needed to unexpectedly pause the show to focus on something personal that's been sucking away my energy. At the moment, it's not something I can talk about publicly, but I am learning uh, lots of lessons at the moment. So I think at some point I will obviously share that. I think that's one of the key things whenever anything unexpected happens in your life. It's good to look at the positives and focus on what you can learn from that experience. And if you can, try and share that with other people that might be going through that experience as well. Um, because you could help other people. And I think that's really important. So no matter what happens in your life, the good and the bad, try and learn from it. Anyway, on the plus side, I'm happy to let you know I've been actively booking in new guests and have several interviews already recorded so that I can continue to roll an episode out each week ongoing. So there's lots of good stuff to look forward to from now onwards. Today, we're going to be joined by Kay Putnam, where we're going to be discussing brand archetypes. But before I dive into that, I want to encourage you to take 30 minutes out of your day to create a quick mood board design and to enter that into the perfect match. By doing that, you will get a $50 gift voucher for your submission. And if your mood board communicates clearly, you might become a contestant on the live game show for a chance to win $1,000. And on top of that, if you enter throughout August and September, you will also receive a Wacom tablet too. Also, for each entry submitted over the next couple of months, they will also be donating $25 to the National Partnership for Women and Families, supporting women's and children's rights. So by taking a little bit of time out your day to work on a fun, creative exercise, you can gain a lot and give a lot. So it's really worth taking part in this. If you want to enter, grab yourself a brief from theperfectmatch.co forward slash play and then create your mood board following the rules provided. Anyway, so like I said, this week's guest is Kay Putnam, and she describes herself as a psychology-driven brand strategist. She is absolutely fantastic at what she does, and I feel she's someone that anyone that's in the graphic design space or branding space needs to know because she is doing so many things right and I feel that we can all learn something from her. So do go and check out her website and go and check out everything that she's doing. Um, I think a key part of what she focuses on is brand archetypes. So in this interview, we're going to learn what they are. We're going to learn how she found out about them 
how she uses them within her strategy and design process so that she can provide effective results for her clients. This is a pretty deep topic and an hour just simply isn't enough time to go into this in great detail. So I hope this will be the start of a rabbit hole for some of you. So if you do want to learn more, make sure you go and check out the show notes for this episode where I'll link to any resources, books and information uh, mentioned within the interview. So do go and check out the show notes, which can be found at logageek.uk forward slash 139. I think another amazing thing that Kay does really well is working with a process. So if you don't already have a process, you need to create one as it's absolutely essential for any service-based business like logo design. But she makes some really strong arguments for creating a proprietary process, which I feel after speaking with her will really help to take things to that next level. So listen to what she shares and hopefully if you're like me, you're going to be inspired by that. So I got a lot out of this chat and I hope that it will be really informative and inspiring for you too. So let's get straight into this. Here is the interview with Kay Putnam. Something I'd like to start with, doing the research for this interview, one of the first things I would obviously do is have a look at your website and your social and see what you're all about. And one of the things that came up was that you describe yourself as a psychology-driven brand strategist. I've not heard this term before, so I think a good question to start things off is, what is that? (laughs) I think this is actually the first time I've been asked, and I am so thrilled (laughs) to answer. And I'm going to answer it in two parts. First, most, I imagine, who are listening to this episode know what a brand strategist is, but I came to branding through the marketing world. I had a marketing degree And I realized that marketing wasn't the be-all and end-all. There was really something underneath the marketing strategy and campaign that was dictating if a business was going to succeed or not, and that was the brand. So I've turned my focus completely to branding. And then the psychology-driven part has come from a deep obsession with figuring out why humans make the decisions that they make. And there was a Harvard study that showed that up to 95% of all decisions are made on the subconscious level. So I realized the importance of speaking on this subconscious level to the humans that we are trying to attract through our brands. So to make that distinction, it's not just the design, it's not just that tip of the iceberg, we're really addressing what's going on underneath all of the design and voice choices that we make. I call call myself the psychology-driven brand strategist. I love that. And um, I'm really excited to chat about this because I think this could be a really interesting conversation to go into some of this stuff. So um, going through your website to try and understand what this is. I mean, I've had a brief understanding of of the type of thing that you would look into. And I did notice that you do focus on the brand archetypes. Um, is that correct? And if that is, would you mind talking through what that is so that the audience that might not be familiar w- with what that is can understand it? 
Yes. Discovering brand archetypes was such a major epiphany moment for me and my business that it gave me a way to understand the reasons why the brands that I was attracted to were so compelling. So brand archetypes are these unconscious categories or patterns that show up across culture, across different times. We see them when we're walking down the aisles of a grocery store and we see them when we are watching a movie or reading a book. So there's 12 archetypes that I personally work with. The 12 archetypes are all correlated to different universal human Value. So I can share the names of the 12 if that would be useful. Yeah, sure. I, I I mean, with podcasts, I do like to give people a seed to look into stuff themselves. So if you can talk through what they are, if you want to go into more detail, you can. But I think it'd be good to maybe point people towards where they can uh, look into it to to understand each one because you know I don't feel that would be the best use of your time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hundred percent. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to do the deep dive on each of the twelve. But as an introduction, there is the caregiver, which is also known as the mother or the servant or the martyr. There's the creator, which is also artist, designer, maker, entertainer, which is sometimes a comedian or a jester. The explorer is the adventurer or pioneer. We have the girl or guy next door, which is sometimes known as the everyman or the realist or friend. The hero is the warrior, champion, victor. The innocent brand archetype is the purist or idealist or traditionalist. We also have the lover archetype, which is heart-centered, partner, beauty-focused. Magician archetype is the transformer, the visionary. The maverick archetype is the rebel rebel or revolutionary. The royal archetype is sometimes known as the king or queen or CEO type. And then we have the sage, which is the teacher, expert, mentor. So even hearing the names, you can start to understand how different brands in our lives play different roles or can be associated with some of those different names, whereas others are associated with other names. So it's a way of positioning our brand in the market, a way of standing out beyond just our product or our service. It connects us to deeper psychological values. Sure. Fantastic. And in terms of like understanding those, because you you said that, you know, we could probably talk hours about each one if you was to deep dive in on them. But from a practical point of view, it doesn't make sense to use that time here. I think we should send people towards something. Is there a book or a resource or something so that people can, um, you know, learn what each one of these are? Feel free to plug something you've got out there or um, a book recommendation or something like that. Yes. Yes. When I first discovered them, it was through this like rabbit hole of internet links I found on this website that looked like it was built in the 1990s. It just listed <laughs> these 12 archetypes. I was like, what is this sorcery? Because as soon as I read through the list of them and like what their different motivations and fears were, I was like, oh, this, this brand that I'm following is the hero archetype. This other brand that I'm following is the royal and so on. So I was immediately drawn into this framework and this idea. After that, like serendipitous discovery, mm -hmm. yeah, moment I, of uh, like, yeah, you found something yeah. special. <laughs> yes, yes, true magic. Um, I started just obsessively curating examples of each of these archetypes and how they apply, particularly to small businesses. So not just the Nikes and the Harley Davidsons and the massive 
billion dollar brands of this world, but how can we as small business owners use them? So if you want to uncover what your brand archetype is, I actually created a quiz. I published it first in 2013. It's now been taken over 200,000 times and it helps you identify what your primary archetype is. So that would be a great place to start. If you want the deep dive into the 12, the person that has done probably the most amount of publishing around the 12 archetypes that I use is Carol S. Pearson and Margaret Mark. They have a book about the 12 archetypes that you can read all about them. But if you are more interested in the application, actually putting them to work in your brand and in your business, I think I have collected an amazing set of resources for each of the 12. Cool. And what I can do is I can link to those resources that you mentioned and the book that you mentioned in the uh, show notes for this episode as well. So people can go and look into that in more detail. It sounds pretty special. So hopefully people will find it useful. Um, Okay. So you you mentioned that you use 12. Mm -hmm. That implies that there are more that some people use. Can you explain that briefly so that people got an idea of what they could potentially find when looking into this stuff? Yes. Yes. So it's not a scientific framework it's a useful framework sure I, I think I think that goes with anything with branding um because people are always looking like how do you do brand strategy and there isn't one way there's just lots of <laughs> yes. frameworks that help you to solve it and this sounds like one of those many tools that you could potentially use yes exactly so the 12 are focused on core values. But as you can imagine, there's not a definitive set of values that humans are attracted to. So I think that the 12 do a really good job of representing the breadth of what people care about. So for example, the girl or guy next door is really related to community and um, camaraderie. The hero is related to achievement and overcoming challenges and so on. So I think that the 12 is a good mix, a very useful mix. But even myself in, so I have courses that are related to each of the 12. And in each of those courses, I identify three subtypes of each of the archetypes. So you can continue to split hairs and see different um, like representations or different examples mm-hmm. of different archetypes that are slightly different from each other. But at the end of the day, we want this to be something that can help us simplify our decision making not make it endlessly confusing so oh yeah of course of course (laughs) and I mean just like from a process point of view and and you finding these something I always find really useful and it's why I like interviewing so many different people it's that nobody works in the same way so it doesn't especially with brand strategy it doesn't matter who you speak to uh everyone approaches things in a slightly different way and uh, you mentioned that you had that moment where you found that, you know, really dated looking website, but it had great information on it. Uh, was that based on the 12 that you use or was that almost like a rabbit hole? And then you went down this rabbit hole, found all these different things and then created 12 that you personally use based on all of the information that you collected? Those 12 are pretty close to the 12 that I use. I made some shifts again, because I'm approaching this kind of like general psychology framework with the application to brands. Mm-hmm. So in some cases, like the Maverick in on that website was called something else. What was it called? The Outlaw, I believe. Um, and 
their slightly different names. And I wanted all of the names to sound, uh, what's the word, attractive to brands. I wanted all of them to want, actually, no, it, the Maverick was called the destroyer on that on that um, website that I stumbled on. I'm like, well, I don't know if a brand necessarily wants to be a destroyer. Same with every man. I don't necessarily think that every, or that a brand would want to blend in with all of the average. So I did some tweaking just to make it more applicable to brands, but I did stick pretty closely to those, those core 12. And then I've just, we've seen from other like psychologists and other brand strategists, they'll either rename things for their own reasons or they're working from a different framework. But the key is to ask yourself, is whatever framework that I'm using, is it helping me make powerful decisions that are making my brand more compelling? And I think if it is, then that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I want to make sure that the audience understands from this is that you found something and you thought it was special, that it could be used uh, you know, based on your marketing background to help potential clients build brands, but you didn't just take it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think this is important because like I was saying, when I go on your website, y- you aren't just a brand strategist. You are a psychology driven brand strategist. You've found, I-, I guess, your unique voice for this. Uh, you- you've differentiated yourself from what's out there you found something that's compelling and you've made it your own you haven't just taken something and just started using it you've learned about it you've understood it you've adapted it for what feel could work for your clients and you've made it your own and I think this is one of the most important things really especially with strategy is that there are so many different ways of doing this that you can borrow from lots of different places, which is what you've done, but you adapt it and make it your own thing so that it's actually useful for you and useful for your for your clients. And I think from um, I guess from a business building perspective, it sets you apart from what what else is out there. You know, you're you're not just another brand strategist. You just happen to be, you know, from a positioning point of view, you're promoting yourself that you're more focused on the psychology side of things so it's, it's mm-hmm. cool yes 100 percent. and I think that we all stand on the shoulders of giants so there's a lot of things that are universally true about the world and we don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel but mm-hmm. at the same time I've basically created my own PhD in, yeah. in this approach to branding I've spent thousands, thousands of hours curating all of these different examples and making it more applicable and making it useful and all of those things. So I really appreciate you saying that because it's absolutely true. It's not something that I found in a textbook and was just like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I, I really want to stress it because I don't want people listening to the podcast and just taking what I'm saying or what, what I guess mm-hmm. is saying and just like copying it because that's right. not the right way of doing it. You know, you need to make it your own. You need to do that in order for you to stand out, but in order so that you're comfortable with the tools that you're using. Because if something doesn't work, like you mentioned that there were some of the names that just didn't apply to uh, you, or your, you or your clients. So you adjusted it. And it, it's um, it's not that you've reinvented the wheel. It's more that you've made it more appropriate to what you're doing. And mm-hmm. in the process, makes you you know stand out from, from the crowd that's out there. And uh, I think that's important. Yes. Yes. And I feel like 
human knowledge and wisdom is constantly being expanded and it's such a mm-hmm. I'm getting a little philosophical here, but like it's oh, such no, a it's good. fun <laughs> it's such a fun role to play to continue to take what's out there um and deepen it and expand it and to help other people understand it in different ways. I think that we especially as brand strategists or people that work with with businesses and brands, we have this unique opportunity to impact the world in really wide ways by applying what we know to mm-hmm. to these businesses that are directly working with other businesses or with clients. No, for sure. And I think, you know, putting it into like logo design, it's actually a really exciting time to be doing any of this stuff because really in terms of like the the styles that graphic designers are applying, they wasn't there that long ago really like this is all really fairly new still like it's a, in in the last like 100 years or so the the yeah. styles that we're adapting have come into play and we're all learning from the same sources um but it doesn't mean that you know based on what you said there it doesn't mean that what they have is setting stone and we need to follow it we can just you know take that what they learn and and what they created and apply it to new stuff. Because all the like um social media didn't exist 20 years ago. <laughs> and there's yeah. so much new technology and new applications for all this sort of stuff that you can't just take something that was developed hundred years ago or so. You have to take those things and and adapt it to what's here today. So you are right, you know, from a um, you know, when you think about it, we we have to keep modifying it and I guess um it's pretty exciting we can make our mark on that and then pass on to the next generation (laughs) yes yes it's such a fascinating moment in time in business right now I feel like everything is evolving so quickly so consumers have more options than ever so brands have this unique challenge and opportunity to stand out and to take a stand in ways that they've never taken before. And we have the opportunity as designers or as strategists to help brands communicate something that is actually meaningful to the people that they're trying to attract instead of just being a better, faster widget or whatever it is that they're selling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we've got an understanding of what these archetypes are and the psychology aspect that you focus on. Obviously people can go and read the books, check out the resources that you mentioned to look into that in more detail if they want to. But I think the key thing that everyone's going to be wondering is what do you actually do with this? How do you actually apply this to a brand project? Like what what does your process look like to to apply this to a logo or an identity or or a brand? Mm-hmm. Yes, I love to geek out about this. So so because we're starting with a kernel of truth, I always like to say that we build brands on truth, not trends. We get to start to make discernment about the decisions that we're making in terms of the brand expression based on these core truths. So if we want our brand to be a Maverick brand, for example, we know that we want it to feel revolutionary, to feel bold, to feel different than everything else that's out there. So that can help us start to inform all of the decisions of all of the expressions that we're making in this brand. It's going to inform the stories that we tell. It's going to inform the colors that we choose for the brand. It's going to inform the shapes that we're using and the fonts and everything else. So we're using the archetypes as a a jumping off point because it has a 
whole set of kind of, for lack of a better word, like cliche expressions of that archetype. And we can then use that starting place of truth to make decisions about how to how we're going to express it in this particular context, in this particular brand. Sure, sure, sure. And in terms of the clients, how do they know which archetype they are? How does the client go about figuring that out? Or how do you work with the client to figure out what that is? <laughs> yes. So I send all of my clients to my quiz and actually a lot of my peers, so a lot of designers and coaches and copywriters that use this framework will literally just send their clients to my quiz, which is sure. totally fine <laughs> and appreciated. I love oh, that. Oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but depending on your knowledge of of all 12, um, and I do a lot of teaching of designers and creatives to help them understand all 12 on a deeper mm-hmm. level. Um once you know kind of what each of them stand for and what each of them represent, then we can just interview our clients and start to listen to their language and what they're talking about and what they value to help pair them to a primary archetype. So if a brand is, for example, talking about like getting back to basics, simplifying things, um, just like taking something that's really complicated and putting it into easy to understand steps, my brain, because I understand the archetypes, is immediately going to the innocent archetype. So if they continue to reinforce those messages in the stories that they're telling me or what they're telling me about their brand or their product, then I can use my knowledge of the archetypes, my understanding, and then that innocent archetype to then make decisions about how they should be expressing themselves in their colors that they're choosing and the fonts and all of those things that we have in our toolbox to communicate that innocent archetype meaning to the market. Just before moving on to the second half of the podcast, I want to once again give a shout out to The Perfect Match who have kindly sponsored this episode. What I want you to do is take part in a quick mood board design exercise. And if you take part, you will get a $50 gift card for your submission. And if your mood board design communicates clearly, you could become a contestant on Adobe's monthly live streaming game show for a chance to win $1,000. Throughout August and September, on top of that amazing $1,000 prize, you'll also win a Wacom Tablet 2. And for each entry submitted over those two months, they'll also be donating $25 to the National Partnership for Women and Families, supporting women's and children's rights. It's a win for you and a win for people in need. So take 30 minutes out of your day to take part in the perfect match. If you want to learn more about that and to enter, head to theperfectmatch.co forward slash play. Anyway, let's get back to that interview. I think with archetypes, this is a significant thing. And I think as brand strategists or or people that, aren't necessarily into brand strategy you tend to think that it's only large organizations that might want to apply these and use these and so on Uh, but you mentioned that it's particularly useful and important for small companies how are you convincing them that they that they need this and and this could be useful for them I think this is 
part of the magic of building a brand right now is that there is less convincing that needs to happen, meaning I am very focused on putting my brand out into the market. So creating content in showing up in communicating my values. My two archetypes are the magician and the sage. So I'm basically walking my talk and embodying my own archetypes and people that are interested in doing business in this way, in standing out on this deep unconscious psychological level instead of just having a better product or a better service because they're seeing that that isn't working for them, they find me. Sure. And I think that when brands are branded well, they become an attraction mechanism instead of something that exists to convince people. So it's a shift that's happening in the market. So instead of just having those three you know, radio stations and TV stations where we're going out and blasting a message again and again and again, we now get to become a value to our clients and to stand out based on our personal values. So values like transformation and evolution and being future focused and the people that are interested in those things recognize that and they find us and they love that. So it's an interesting question because I haven't had to convince people. I've just been embodying this in my own business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the real power of knowing who you are, what you do, having a clear process, communicating that effectively on your website so that you know p- people that need that. And I think um, you know, branding is key, really. There, there's so many books out there. So if you are into marketing or business or anything like that, you're going to come across branding and you will know that, you know, brand strategy is is important for this. And I, I think, you know, people that are listening to this, graphic designers, even graphic designers fall down that, you know, you, you realize after a length of time that in order to do um, a graphic design effectively, you do need to go to the roots of what the company is and that's where brand strategy falls into place and that's why even though this is a logo design podcast is why I like to talk about brand strategy frequently because it is a key aspect of it and in order to create a logo or any form of graphic design work uh, you need to know who you are and and I think that's important and you've done that to your own business so when people realize that they need that they are I don't know how exactly they're approaching it in your case, but probably using Google, finding you, finding your quiz, seeing that you know what you're talking about and getting in touch. So it's good to hear that it sounds like when people pick up the phone and speak to you, they already know that they want it, which is good. (laughs) Yes, yes. I much prefer to do business that way. Um, (laughs) And you're absolutely right. Like as people that are helping other businesses express their brand, express their business, we absolutely need to know what they're trying to express first before we can effectively design for them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I also want to say that I I think this is the kind of reasoning for niching down and having a very specific service offering. So when people need that, they can find you and they know that you specialize in that thing. Um, Because I think that's something that you do really well. I think people should go and check out your website and see how are you communicating what you're doing. Um, It's, you know, you're a very good uh, case study for people to look into and, and learn from, I think. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I think one of the best things that all 
brands can do, and designers are especially guilty of this, and I can say this because I come from that world, but we don't want to ever have the situation where the cobbler's shoes are falling apart, right? We don't want to just rely on um, (laughs) referrals and those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. It's a Mm -hmm. fantastic way to get started, but it doesn't build a lasting business that has a lot of internal – or not internal, what's the word? Um, A lot of incoming leads coming to us. We want to be in control of that lead flow, and the best way to do that is to embody exactly what you're selling and to be a good example of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You definitely do that well. And I do want to bring up, you've mentioned it already, but the brand personality quiz. And what I think is great about this, and I'd love to ask, like, not just what it is, but how you went about creating it. Um, I think this is a great example of how to get people to your website and to, and to be positioned as somebody that knows what they're talking about because you've mentioned this brand quiz within this just through this conversation just as a way of people to figure out what their brand archetype is and um I haven't used it myself so I don't know exactly what questions there are or exactly how it works but it sounds like you've done it so that anybody can go on there, figure out what their brand archetype is, take that information for free if they want to, and then apply it to their own thing. But it, it I mean, correct me if I'm wrong with that assumption, but that's a really good tool for attracting people because what will happen is people like me or people, you know, even people listening to this now that they're aware of this, they might send potential clients to you, um, you know, aunties, uncles, cousins, brothers, other graphic <laughs> designers. It doesn't matter who it is. As long as somebody knows about that, when somebody needs to figure out what their brand archetype is, they would just send them to your tool. It's a useful tool that people can use. And, uh, you know, it's, it's helpful to them. But for you, it's a powerful tool, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, I could talk about the quiz as a lead generation strategy for hours. So I will try to be succinct. But- <laughs> go for it. Talk about it. <laughs> this is the, the uh, Loka Geek podcast. We could do go really nerdy on specific things. People love it. You know, th- this is um, so something I do with this podcast. Originally, I just interviewed logo designers and that's how it was kind of started out. But now it's more focused on helping people to make a living designing logos. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you, you you can't just sit there designing logos all day and post, you know, a picture on Instagram or whatever. That just doesn't work. You need to be more creative and, and more savvy as to the approaches that you take. And, and I think the uh, more ideas that people can have the uh, better and I think this is one good example where you've created something useful but actually it, it it also is a fantastic lead generation so feel free to talk about as much as you you want I'm <laughs> I'm cool with it personally and I'm sure the uh, listeners want to hear about it as well <laughs> perfect perfect yeah so when I first discovered those 12 archetypes my analytical mind just immediately desired to know which of the 12 I was and I won't get too deep into childhood and in, in those kinds of things, but I was always kind of a a shapeshifter in a way. Like I was always just showing up however I thought other people wanted me to show up. So I actually didn't know immediately when I read through the 12, which one I was. So I wanted a tool to help identify what that was for me based on 
my values and, and my story and my strengths and all those things. So I created the quiz as a tool for myself and it has taken a life of its own. But <laughs> <laughs> It's been pretty magical. Um, and I think the reason why it works so well is because it is useful. It is answering a question that people have or it's providing some some value that people were already desiring. People want to know what makes them different from everybody else in their market, what rises their brand uh, beyond just being a commodity, whether they're a product or a service. And I shared the quiz with some clients and then I shared it with some people in my industry. And ever since then, it's just been growing exponentially. Like I mentioned, it's been taken hundreds of thousands of times. I do promote it very actively these days. I you know, I run ads to it and I show up on podcasts and talk about it because it's a perfect introduction to my work. It's actually not the only thing that I do with my clients. We don't talk about archetypes all day long, but it's a perfect segue into everything else that we talk about because it it answers that fundamental question of who am I? Who is my brand? Um, and the quiz has been on different platforms. It currently is on a tool called Try Interact. So if ever you are continually answering a question for your clients that has more than two answers, so it's not just a yes or no question, and it's something that you would need to coach people through, um, you know, has many different factors. Another kind of like fundamental question that I always get is, should I name my business uh, a brand name or should I be a personal brand? So this, this could actually be another example. It is two answers, but it's a, a complicated um, question to answer based on many different factors. Mm -hmm. So anytime you have that complicated question, you could create a tool like a quiz, but it doesn't necessarily even have to be a quiz. Whatever we lead with value. We lead with being useful to people and use that as a client attraction mechanism. It works so much better than continually trying to sell, 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 sell. It shifts that equation mm -hmm. to one of generosity instead of just, again, trying to convince people to work with us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's so many different ways of doing that type of thing. It could be um, blogs, podcasts, social content, uh, downloadable eBooks, uh, products, uh, a quiz like what you've done. But the, the the general sentiment of what you said is so important that people understand because you, um, like personally, I don't really sell. <laughs> I just <laughs> happen to talk about logo design as much as I can, trying to be helpful for, I mean, main, I mean, being honest, mainly being helpful for graphic designers, but clients still find stuff. So when they do need something around that topic, they can see that you're helping people. They can see that you are, uh, you you know what you're talking about, that you're great at mm -hmm. what you do. It's a much better process than the, uh, I guess, the more traditional kind of slimy sales pitch. Because, yeah. you know, if you do it right, people know what you do. They can see that you know what you're talking about. They've already they already want to go ahead with you, and then when they call, I bet you convert so many of the people that call. <laughs> <laughs> I've even gotten to the point where I rarely need sales calls anymore, to be honest, um, because people. Are <laughs> That's ready a good place to, to be in, because yes. I know on your website you've even got prices and everything, so it's pretty yeah. clear. Because I, I know I don't publish prices, so generally after I've you know 
talk through how I work and all that sort of stuff. Generally, the the next question is how much, but on your website, it's pretty clear. <laughs> it's all there, and uh, that that's amazing. So how you so so you don't need to really have uh, people just emailing you saying, "Can we go ahead? When when can we start?" <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, yes. That's yes, a good place is... to be in. Oh, it is. It really is. Of course, <laughs> I didn't start here. It it always takes a, a kind of a hybrid approach when you're just getting started, I think, where you're putting yourself in spaces where people are already looking for help. So in the beginning, I absolutely was doing things like uh, post, you know, replying to jobs on job boards and reaching out to my network and doing that proactive approach. But over time, I've built up this brand presence, this body of work online that does the attraction work for me. A big piece of that is the quiz. I'm also on social media, you know, other places. But when we can lead with that generosity first, people in a way, and this doesn't sound quite right, but in a way people feel indebted because they've already gotten a result. They've already mm-hmm. transformed in some way by interacting with our content when we do it right. And then they're so much more likely to pay for further transformation. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's very much true of um, like podcast hosts that bring out books. Uh, people mm-hmm. already know the information that's in the book because they've learned it from the uh, podcast, but they want to, in a way, give back. Um, I think yeah. when you're doing client services, it's it's bigger. But you know, if if they've looked into that kind of thing and they can see that it's helping their business, this is great for for startup companies because <laughs> you've ha- you created a tool that will help them figure out who they are um, mm-hmm. and. If they see, oh, this is useful, but we need some more guidance, then who are they going to go to? They're going to go straight to the person that helped them initially. Like they probably don't even think of other people. They're like, oh, we we want Kay to to help with this. Yep. Yep, exactly. When you think about it, like we don't need another to-do list app or we don't need another brand of ice cream. But the reasons why new entrances to the market work is because they're willing to take a stand and to carve out a space in the market that other people weren't addressing. And I think that the archetypes are such a cool way to discover that that message or that position um, to help you stand out in new ways. And you're absolutely right. By leading with education, I become a natural first um, thought when somebody is ready absolutely. to take that leap and get, get support. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, another thing I want to talk about, and again, this is something that you're great at, is that you have clearly defined processes, and you, if I understand right, you trademark the name of it. <laughs> um, so I noticed that you have a clarity code, and I noticed it's got the little TM on it, so I assume that you've, yep. you've <laughs> trademarked <laughs> it. So I, I think we should talk about this a little bit. We're about we're already like 40 minutes into this conversation. Time's gone quick. Um but this this process, what is that process, and and for so that we can help listeners that might not have a process yet, how did you go about creating that? Mm-hmm. One of the most powerful things that any service creator and product businesses, for that matter, but even more for service providers, can do mm-hmm. is to create a proprietary process. So a proprietary process helps elevate us beyond other people that offer similar services or products uh, because it shows people that you have a proven method to create the results that you create. And it helps people, uh, it helps instill trust that you know what you're doing. So I've developed over the last decade what I call my clarity code process. And it is all of the elements that make a successful brand. And I've organized it into this framework 
that is denoted by the word C-O-D-E, code. Uh, C is character. It's who the brand is. O is the offer. D is building demand. And then E is the energetic influence or the energy of the entrepreneur behind the business, the visionary. So by having this process defined, it gives me a way to organize my own thoughts because the way that I came up with it was sitting down with myself with the question, how can I create the most transformational and valuable results for the clients that I work with? What are the ingredients of that equation? And put it together into a framework that I can talk about. Um, and it creates a little bit of curiosity. So I'm, I'm leaning on to you know, some psychological principles here. By, by naming something, it becomes more valuable. And it also induces curiosity of like, okay, what is this thing? Obviously, I, I can only get the Clarity Code if I go to K and not other mm -hmm. places. Mm -hmm. So it creates value and it creates brand equity. Um, so yeah, if you have not yet created a process behind the results and the transformation that you deliver, I highly recommend doing that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the... That's I'm going gonna, gonna to intentionally not ask you what the process is because <laughs> I think this is interesting because I, I mean, I, I can think of branding frameworks mm -hmm. that have names that are obviously intellectual property for people and those names have I guess such strength in the industry that people are like what is it how does how do I use that how can I get that and it's it has I guess you know it is from a psychological point of view you feel like it's much more substantial than it probably is. I'm not saying that your process isn't substantial because <laughs> it sounds like you put a lot of time and thought and energy into it, but there is a big difference between saying my brand strategy process than saying um, clarity code and, and saying it in the way that you did so beautifully then. It gives so much presence I, I don't really know how to say what I'm trying to say, but it just seems much more authoritative. Mm -hmm. um, it positions you as not an expert, as the expert, because only you have that particular um, process. Only you have that particular framework that can come up with the solution. It just sounds so good. It it's it's a really good um, lesson. So I think if there's listeners out there and you're working on your own business. We all know that process is key. You know, you, mm -hmm. you have to have a, a, a process. But what you said then about making a proprietary process is just next level. This is like, you know, if you want to go from just being somebody that's doing brand strategy to being someone that's a pro, then obviously you can do that. And I'm sure we can apply this to anything. Like it doesn't matter yeah. what you do, whether it's a product or, you know, you're doing logo design. Um, you can come up with a framework and create a name and, and trademark it in the way that you've done. And, uh, you know, I, th I think that's, I think that's a powerful thing. And I think people should, you know, if they're going to take anything from this interview, understand that, that, what you've done is found great information, understood it, made it your own, turned it into a process, and then made that your own intellectual property that you were able to sell as a service. But then you could probably sell that as a 
well may, maybe you do because you have mentioned about courses but you can teach that you can mm-hmm. um do so much more with that it's incredibly valuable <laughs> yes on so many different levels so it's it's incredible marketing like you identified it gives you weight in the market um it also helps you productize your service so you're not doing something different for every single client it creates boundaries and reduces the scope of what you're doing with each client so that you don't have a lot of scope creep, which I know is a problem with designers. Um, Yeah, there's just, there's massive benefits. You can create templates to speed up your work. You can create uh, your own tools and frameworks that support that process so that um, you deliver better results and you can do that in a more profitable way. Sure. That's really good. And we've got about 10 minutes left and I'm going to try and get as much of uh, <laughs> much value out of you in this time. So you have this process. Again, I intentionally didn't ask you about it because I want people to create their own processes and create their own intellectual property because I think that's important. But at the end of this, you are providing the client something. Mm-hmm. And again, I looked on your website, all, all unique to you. You have what you call the brand source book. Do you want to talk about that? So people got an idea of what your, um, so when people have gone through your framework, what a client would get at the end of that process. Yes. So when I work with my consulting clients one-on-one, we develop for them the deliverable from that process is what we call a brand source book. It is brand standards on steroids. It's, you know, goes so much beyond just the visual standards of the brand. We help them identify not only what their brand archetype is and how that's showing up in your in their business, but all of those other elements of the Clarity Code framework, you know, the the offer, their the way that they're building demand and et cetera, et cetera. And this source book is a living, breathing document that is incredible for brands that are scaling. So if you think about the biggest brands in the world, if they didn't have brand standards and rock solid strategy, every single designer that came into that business or every single creative that came into their business would have their own variation of what they think Nike should look like or what they think X brand should look like. By having a very comprehensive set of brand standards and strategy documented, it gives people the ability to scale by onboarding more creatives into their business, by um, you know, maybe you're equipping a social media manager to post on your behalf, but it needs to be on brand. Or maybe you are hiring a customer service manager who also needs to be on brand. It aligns everybody within a business to a singular vision and a singular set of standards. So that's our the way that we work with our one-on-one clients. That's what we deliver to them. It just sounds amazing. And I think, like I've said so many times through this, you you're really good uh, case study for how to do this stuff well like it doesn't matter if you are uh, into branding strategy graphic design I think how you are approaching everything is is very good thank like you you are you are a very good example not just in terms of how you're presenting your work and and the the, the story and the knowledge and the information uh attracting clients but the process creating your own intellectual property you're doing everything the way that it should be done and um you know i i I really do want to encourage listeners to uh not just listen to this uh because obviously there's a lot more that can be learned about the um archetypes and stuff like that 
but I, they should go and check out, out your website, have a look through everything properly. Um, obviously don't copy because I'm stressing. <laughs> uh, I'm really trying to stress that you need to create your own. You, you need to create your own thing. That's how you position yourself. That's where you stand out because you haven't just taken somebody else's framework. You've made your own based on lots of different things. And, and I think people should go and check out your website, which I'll link to in the show notes and look at the books and the resources and stuff that we've spoken about in this podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. And I, I appreciate hearing that so much, especially at this stage in business. I've been in business now for over a decade, but when I first started, I was, this did not come easy to me. I didn't have a strong identity. I didn't have my own intellectual property. Like all of this was developed over time and it makes business so much easier once you get to this point. It just instills so much confidence and just having clients that are coming to you that are excited to work with you, that understand your value from the start, it makes life just so much better as an entrepreneur and as a business owner. So mm -hmm. know that uh, I think that that was kind of a, a secret power of mine in a way that it didn't come easy because I had to figure this out by studying brands that were working really well, by distilling what actually mattered out of all of the different frameworks that are out there into something that I knew was actually going to move the needle by testing it, by proving it, by actually doing it in the market. So mm -hmm. I really appreciate the kind words. Yeah. And I think it's really important that you said that this has taken you time. You know, somebody that's that's new in the industry or just starting out that is inspired by you could be overwhelmed by the volume of stuff. But mm -hmm. like with everything, uh, Something I've always found with creating your own business versus working for a company, when you work for a company and you, um, you know, do something simple like a form and you get that form finished, it's just another thing that needs doing. <laughs> but when you create these things for your own company, once you've done it, that adds to it and you keep building on what you have. So over, um, over a decade, like you said, you've, you probably just gradually added these things on and, you know, you started with nothing and you got to a point where you have this. So um, there's a lot of lessons in here for people that I think are quite experienced. But in terms of people starting out, I do have like dedicated podcasts to getting your first client and stuff like that. So if you are listening and um, some of the stuff in this sounds a bit scary, uh, <laughs> go back to those and, and listen to those podcasts there's a really good one I did with Tom Ross and uh, Michael Janda that episode with those guys talking about how to get like your first client is is fantastic and then you know when you're ready to take things to that next level this is there's so many great lessons in this beyond um, you know just understanding archetypes and stuff like that it's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of really good lessons in this for building your business and managing your company and all that sort of stuff so it's been a really valuable episode but I think now is probably a good time to wrap this up I, I know that you've got a meeting shortly after this so um I want to say Kay thank you so much for coming on this has been absolutely fantastic I think in terms of understanding like psychology driven brand strategy if anyone wants to uh look into that this has been a good foundation people then can then go and look into it and then go down their own rabbit hole <laughs> but thank you it's been it's, it's been amazing <laughs> thank you so much I love to geek out about branding and logo design and graphic design and all of these things so I so appreciate you having me on 
If you want to learn more about Kay and to take part in that brand personality quiz, head over to her website, kayputnam.com. I'll link to that along with her social profiles in the show notes for this episode, which you can find by heading to logageek.uk forward slash 139. And don't forget to check out the sponsor of this podcast, The Perfect Match. And like I said earlier in the conversation, if you enter, you get a $50 gift voucher just for submitting an entry. And if it communicates clearly, you could also be part of the game show, win $1,000, win a Wacom tablet. And as I mentioned earlier as well, for every entry, they will also donate $25 to the National Partnership for Women and Families Supporting Women's and Children's Rights. So it's really worth entering. So that is it for today, but I'll be back the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek Podcast.